Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters here on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information and Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, July 6th, we're studying Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to 31. Paul's imprisonment in Rome does not prevent him from proclaiming the gospel. The book of Acts ends with Paul under house arrest, yet even there, the apostle is bold to preach to both Jews and Gentiles. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Jacob Dandy. Pastor Dandy serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Pastor Dandy, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, it's a, it's a blessing to be here with you. So, Pastor Dandy, we have the last text in the book of Acts before us today. What context should we keep in mind as we see what Paul does in Rome? Yeah, it's well, you know, uh, the the big context is that uh, we're we're at the end of the book of Acts, right? Um, uh, Paul has kind of made it through his, you know, really harrowing uh, journey with shipwrecks and snake bites and all sorts of crazy things, um, and he's finally made it into Rome. Uh, he is an apostle in chains. He's like you said under house arrest. Yet Paul is still proclaiming the gospel. Um, and I think the the location that we end on here in the book of Acts is is, is very important as this moves us from uh, Jerusalem, uh, then throughout the surrounding regions of Judea and Samaria, um, and then to the the broader Gentile world. And now you're you're finally kind of into the capital of the Gentile world here with Rome. Um, that the gospel uh, that in that Acts chapter one uh, command and promise from Jesus that his his disciples would be his witnesses um, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh, and then into the ends of the earth is is coming to pass, and and so we've we've gotten to this point now where Paul is going to Rome, and the gospel is going out from uh, the Jewish parts of the world into the Gentile parts of the world, and and people are coming to believe. Uh, they're coming to um, join God's church and confessing, professing, and living under the care and the blessing of the gospel of Christ risen and uh, crucified and risen for them, right? Uh, and so that's that's uh, maybe the, the first thing to think about in context. I also think um, us ending here as Paul arrives in Rome um, is really a, a good uh, symbol of God's providence um, and, and maintaining and caring from his, for his church as as all the way back in the Gospels uh, during the ministry of Jesus, uh, Jesus, you know, prophesied and foretold the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, he he uh, um, says in Mark that uh, one, not one stone would be left upon another. Uh, he weeps over Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, um, as he says, uh, uh, you know, would they have not known what makes for peace? Uh, 
but now it's hidden from their eyes because they didn't know the day of their visitation, uh, the city would be uh, uh, barricaded, surrounded, and destroyed, right? Uh, that they didn't recognize the coming of their visitation, the coming of Christ. But God in his providence, even though Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, has preserved the gospel from bringing it out from Jerusalem and into the Roman world. And now we're here in like the epicenter of it all. Um, all, you know, as you, you hear the old saying, all roads lead to Rome. And here, here's Paul uh, making it to Rome, professing the gospel. Uh, and so that's, that's a, a, um, a wonderful point to be beginning here in this, in this section of Acts. Mm. All roads, even the one by sea and shipwreck have led Paul to Rome. Yeah. So he's, he is here in Rome. We begin now in Acts 28, verse 17. Mm-hmm. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed. they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's our text for today. That's Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to 31. So, Pastor Dandy, the, the context here, this is, is somewhat familiar. When Paul gets to a place, he often speaks first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. seems that that's what's happening here in Rome as well, though perhaps a few different nuances in the context that are, are different from some of his previous places of preaching. What, what do we see here as he begins to address the Jews. Well, yeah. So so what's really interesting about this uh, to begin with is that unlike most of the places where Paul has visited on his missionary journeys, there's already an established church in Rome. Uh, the gospel has, has traveled to this place. Um, and so uh, we, we, and you, you probably saw in your, your last study uh, that as as Paul is making his way into Rome, he's at the three taverns, this like checkpoint outside of the city of Rome, um, uh, that the, the Christian leaders of the congregations came out to greet him. Uh, they, they knew he was coming. Paul has already written his letter to the Romans. 
Uh, and so that that's been taking place. Um, and so we have these Christian congregations there, but instead of, you know, just going and dwelling um, and being contented with these Christian congregations, um, we, we know that, that Paul has um, a, a heart uh, for witnessing the gospel to the Jewish people. Um, you know, he, he really communicates that well in the latter part of the book of Romans in chapters 10 and 11. He really talks about election and he talks about the, the hardening of the Jews and, and the hope that, you know, he, and he uses this beautiful metaphor about uh, um, it being kind of like a, an olive tree. Uh, where uh, some of the natural branches have been cut off, some of the wild shoots have been grafted in. Those natural branches are the Jews. Um, the wild shoots that are growing around uh, have been grafted in. Those are the Gentiles. But um, he preaches the gospel all the more in the hope that those natural branches can be grafted back into the into the main branch of the tree. Um, uh, and so, you know, Paul Paul really has a heart for for his his brethren and um, his his people uh, to to hear the gospel, right? And so he has this Christian congregation established. They welcome him with joy, uh, but he he's going to call together um, uh, the Jewish people um, and the leaders of the synagogues within uh, Rome in order to. Um, um, to, to plead his case to them, make his case to them, and, and profess the gospel. Uh, he wants them to know uh, that the hope of Israel um, has arrived, that this, this long-awaited Savior and Messiah has come into the earth, um, and he wants to tell them about the death and resurrection of this man Jesus, um, um, whom he has put all of, his, um, all of his eggs in that basket. And so we are... Um, uh, certainly blessed to hear him and see him preach here, beginning at chapter or uh, verse seventeen. So as he, he as he begins, I don't know that we have a, a sermon proper here at the beginning. At least this seems more of an introductory. Like here's who I am, here's why I'm here. He goes back into some of the history as to how he was arrested in the first place and how he ended up in Rome. What what does he have to say about those things? Yeah, well, you know. Um, Paul is really going to start by um, making the case for who he is, right? Um, and, you know, he, he wants to maybe uh, get ahead of everything, you know, dispel any myths that they might know or might have heard about him, uh, you know. And then you, you think about this. Uh, if you have some uh, um, itinerant preacher roll up into town and start preaching, um, and, you know, he's, he, he rolls up in the town in the back of a, a squad car, um, you're, you're going to be pretty suspicious of the guy, right? And so here we have Paul. He he's he is detained. He is a prisoner of the Romans, and so he's rolling in uh, into Rome with that kind of hanging over his head. But then also, Paul doesn't really know um, what messages about him have made it from the Sanhedrist in Jerusalem and in Judea and the surrounding area um, to the Jewish leaders in Rome. Um, and so he, he wants to kind of uh, let them know um, what's going on there. Um, you know, uh, you know, is, is he coming as somebody who's appealing to Caesar as an enemy of the Jews? Is he coming to make a complaint against the Jewish people? Or, or is he uh, coming as somebody who is a, uh, um, a friend of the Jews and a Jew himself? Uh, and so uh, he wants to kind of dispel that kind of thing hanging over. And also we, we want to bear in mind... Um, that, that the Jews probably are pretty wary 
um, uh, at this point, especially the ones living in Rome. Uh, you know, they're coming right off the tails here of uh, Claudius's edict that expelled the Jews out of Rome. Uh, now, now the emperor Claudius has kind of ended that, or I, I think that ends with his death. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember. Um, but uh, now they're they're back into Rome and they're thinking, okay, we've just been kicked out of our homes. We finally come back into the city. Um, is this guy going to create some sort of ruckus so that we're driven out of town again? And so Paul kind of really has to begin by making his case. Um, and he wants to demonstrate to them and make it clear to them, he's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing against the customs or the people of the Jews. He didn't violate any Jewish laws. Um, he uh, <coughs> uh, did not uh, um, uh, defile the temple or do anything along those lines. But um, the reason that he is there is because he confessed the gospel. Um, and uh, as we as we hear that confession of the gospel, um, we'll see maybe why some of the Jews would uh, have been against him, right? You know, we 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 understand that. Um, but he he really wants to first make his case for himself, so that you know they they will hear him out and listen to what he has to say. Um, and and I think that's important uh, uh, that you know he he develops at least a case that he's he's trustworthy. Right. And and it's always striking how how Paul when he speaks about himself and and you know he hadn't done anything wrong, here's why I'm here. He's always doing it for the sake of preaching the gospel. This is not about magnifying Paul and his innocence. Rather, it's about gaining a hearing from these people whom he loves mm-hmm. and and with whom he he shares this this great heritage of, of bloodline and and the, even the faith. He wants them to hear the gospel, and I just I love how the over and over again Paul uses the same terminology. And you referenced it earlier there in verse twenty. He says the reason he wants to speak with them is because of the hope of Israel. We've, we've heard him use that language before. This is one of his favorite ways of, of speaking. The hope of Israel. What's he What's he telling? These Jews listening, what's he? What does he want to talk to them about? The hope of Israel. Well, he, he wants to talk to them about Jesus, you know. Um, um, but you know, but this is the hope of Israel that um, that the Messiah would come, the Lord's anointed would come. Uh, that um, uh, this this one who uh, is David's son, yet David's Lord, um, would stand upon uh, um, David's throne, uh, and and. Perhaps maybe they weren't seeing the full picture, but they they certainly um, were looking for uh, this one who would come to restore the kingdom of God, and and that's what Jesus comes to do. Uh, Jesus comes to restore the kingdom of God um, by forgiving our sins, um, and and he does sit now um, as David's Lord on the throne in heaven, ruling over heaven and earth. Um, serving as our high priest, serving as our intercessor, and serving as the great king of his church as he rules through his word and through the forgiveness of sins and the kingdom of grace. Uh, and so, um, you know, this this is really the the hope of Israel personified in, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, uh, God come down in the flesh to, to, to be our savior. Uh, and that's what Paul is really going to preach. Um, uh, and you know this is this is something we 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 ought to uh, uh, rejoice in and ought to learn from from Paul that as you know he he comes into Jerusalem he comes to to preach uh, to these Roman Jews he he's going to to pique their interest he's going to say you know this is what you've been waiting for um, this is what you need 
you know, I, I think uh, sometimes pastors want, want to uh, um, uh, start uh, kind of pandering to people and uh, saying, hey, uh, what are your felt needs so that I can meet them? Where, where Paul says, no, hey, this is what you need. Uh, I've, I've got it. So come and listen. Hear me out. You, you, you've been waiting for this thing. And if you haven't been, you don't know the word of God. Come listen. Come listen to what I have to say. Um, uh, this, is, this is what you need to hear. Um, and so he gives a really good invitation there. He knows his audience. He, he knows the people who he's speaking to, and he's going to proclaim the gospel to them. Now, the, the Jews who come to him ha- have a response to what he says. And it's, it's interesting. They've not heard anything, or at least not much, about Paul, certainly nothing specific to this case. Yeah. But what's there in, in verses 21 and 22 in their initial response to Paul? Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's kind of interesting, too. Um, uh, and, and you wonder why uh, they, they haven't gotten any messages from the uh, the. the the Sanhedrists and the Jewish leaders and all the conspirators against Paul in Jerusalem. If they, you know, they were so determined to kill Paul um, when he was in Jerusalem and then uh, with Felix under Caesar in Caesarea and all of these things, um, you know, why didn't they send word ahead knowing that Paul was appealing to Caesar? Um, and I think um, there, there's a couple of reasons. A, you know, uh, Paul had enough trouble getting to Rome in and of himself, right? Um, you know, that, you know, shipwrecks and, um, you know, uh, you know, all these things that were going on as Paul traveled across the sea. Um, maybe Paul just made it there before they could get a letter out. Um, and, and maybe the other possibility is this, that, um, as, uh, as Paul is, is preaching, we, we know that the Sanhedrist and, and the Jewish leaders are divided, um, over some of the things that Paul had to say. We remember that, uh, um, uh, Paul was able to divide the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he was um, kind of disputing with the Jews in Jerusalem, saying, hey, brothers, it's concerning the resurrection of the dead um, uh, that these people are bringing charge against me, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden that, that divided them. And so maybe they weren't really a full united front against Paul either. Um, so that, you know, no word of Paul um, reached these Roman synagogues uh, so that they could, you know, cut him off before he gets there. Um, and, and I would say once again, you know, maybe there's this hand of divine providence that, that there, there are those whom, uh, will, who, those who will hear and believe the gospel amongst these, these Jewish peoples who are going to come and listen to Paul speak. Um, and so, uh, you know, whatever, whatever may have happened, um, Paul has been now given this opportunity where, where his, his reputation and his persona isn't tainted, um, but then also that, you know, they're going to be kind of open ears and you get a sense of, uh, maybe, um, curiosity, uh, about the, uh, um, the gospel in of itself in verse 22, he says, you know, we desire to hear from you and what your views are for, with regard to this sect, um, you know, talking specifically about the Christians, um, we know that everywhere it is, it is spoken against, Right. Um, and so they, they know that, uh, everybody's saying, oh, these Christians, they're, they're no good. Um, they're, this is contradictory. Um, it's, it's really disputed, um, all these teachings of the Christians. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hear you out because we, we want to know what the sect actually teaches. Uh, and so Paul really has this golden opportunity, uh, that he can seize here, um, because a, he's, he's got an audience that's willing to listen. 
Um, and B, his reputation isn't tainted before he enters into the city of Rome, which wasn't always the case um, as Paul went throughout his missionary journey. So um, uh, this is this is really great. Um, this is a great opportunity for St. Paul. Well, and just to, to see him going into what could become a hostile context, mm-hmm. but doing so calmly and willingly, I mean, I think that has something to say to us in, in what's becoming a more pluralistic society yeah. in, in which you know Christianity is seen more and more as a sect in, in a variety of senses, mm-hmm. that, that we could engage you know that that audience in the same manner as St. Paul, knowing that there may be a hostile reaction, but he still he still goes for it. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think we as Christians in general, but also we as pastors, uh, really could learn from this. Um, uh, you know, just because we don't think that people will receive something that we have to teach or speak of well, doesn't mean that we're free from proclaiming it, right? So, so Paul has these people, and you know, there's a very good chance that you know, as he speaks the gospel and and proclaims the word of God, and um, he's he's going to you know obviously use very strong language uh, in in dealing with them from uh, you know Isaiah um, that. They're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna hear this and they're, they're, they might get angry um uh but Paul does it anyway and you know you, you got to think about this as we as pastors and uh, you know we enter into our congregation um and you know sometimes there's things that we're gonna have to say to our church members even you know not even like this um, audience of strangers but just to our church members that that's gonna get us you know maybe into a little bit of trouble or or uh, go over like a lead balloon but but we still have to say it. Um, we're not free uh, to to curate who we talk to, um, and we're not really free to curate what we say. Um, and and this this is this is what Paul you know implicitly understands, and he speaks with with courage and zeal, and like you said, um, uh, uh, very calmly and soberly and clearly. Um, and and this is really something that you know we should really key into as, as ministers of the gospel and, and really take up his example here that, you know, Paul's going to preach to people who may hate him for it. And you know what? Good for Paul. That's right. That's right. Well, you see his, you see his confidence here yet again, and, and not confidence in himself, but confidence in the word of God. And, and I think you, you touched on this briefly earlier, and maybe you could say a little bit more that, you know, Paul, Paul knows that he's got something that these people need that, that yes, they may hate him for it. And at this point they think that, or you're saying he's a sect and he's part of something that is being spoken against, but they're willing to listen. And, and Paul knows that what he has, despite their false impressions now, it's actually something that they need. And that, that just, that calm confidence that he has before those who would, I mean, at this point are, are kind of, yeah, we want to listen to you, but we're not, we're not sure here, Paul, but he still has that confidence that, that what he has is truth. And so he's going to put it out there for him, regardless of what they think right now and what they may think after he's done speaking that, I mean, that just calm confidence. I think it, it's very much needed in our world today where things are very quick to turn into just arguments mm-hmm. and shouting matches. Oh yeah. This calm confidence of Paul, I think is something that the church can definitely use as an example still. Yeah. And I think a lot of time, you know, people get most defensive and most angry when they aren't sure they know how to defend their statements. Right. 
Um, you know, uh, it, it's really when you you have somebody who's not actually confident or at least well versed in what they believe. Uh, that's when they're going to start just reacting in anger. Um, and and here we have a Paul. Paul is Paul knows what he believes. And also, you know, you think about Saint Paul. You know, Paul talks about you know how he regards the judgment of men as nothing. He doesn't even judge himself mm-hmm. because. Uh, you know, Paul is confident in his justification. Uh, Paul is confident in that the, the in the work of Jesus, and he knows. Okay, Jesus has been crucified for me. I have the right judgment of God. I have the forgiveness of sins. You know, he talks about this in First Corinthians. What 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 does the judgment of of men mean? Well, it means nothing. Um, you know, his conscience is 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 you know, held together and, and dictated and cared for by the gospel uh, and the forgiveness of sins. He believes in justification by grace through faith. And so, you know, it really doesn't matter um, how these people react because, you know, his conscience is, is right before God. And that's, that's really what matters at the end of the day. So, so Paul can uh, step up into this situation um, where you know he's he may have a hostile audience, uh, although they're receptive um, and curious about what Paul has to say, they they could receive this poorly, and some do. Um, uh, that you know, well, at least I said something. Uh, at least I preached. Um, you know, I I think you know very often it's it's just so very easy to get out into the world and and be challenged by so many of the you know heresies, false doctrines, and just, well, and really just kind of insane secular ideas that we, we interact with in the world. Um, and, and to feel very insecure, to feel weak, to, to, to be afraid of all the things that people are saying. But that's not what Paul does. Um, Paul's confident in the gospel. Paul's confident in God's word. Um, and, you know, he's going he's gonna to speak the truth. And, and it's because these people need to hear it. Um, he speaks it in love, of course. His heart is for the Jewish people. He wants them to, to believe and know who their Savior is. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing out the matter of Paul's conscience. He he had spoken in that way back in Acts 24 before Felix about how he has a, a clear conscience, and, mm-hmm. and so he can preach there, and he's still preaching here in Rome with that clean conscience before God in an effort to give a clean conscience through to these people that they too would believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to keep looking at Paul's work here in Rome. On the other side of the break, you're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking the end of Acts 28 with Pastor Jacob Dandy. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? 
Imagine a college that is affordable, a college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran, a college that won't take a dime of federal funding, a college that teaches the best of our Western heritage, a college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, July 6th. We're studying Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to 31 with Pastor Jacob Dandy. He serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Pastor Dandy, prior to the break, we were looking at Paul's initial introduction there in Rome. He introduces himself to the Jews. They respond, we don't really know much about you, Paul. We've heard that this is a sect. It's spoken against, but we want to hear more. And so they they come back. This is wonderful. In, in verse 23, they come back, and there's more of them this time, and Paul begins to preach. Now, we don't get all the words that Paul spoke, but Luke does give us a summary. What do we find out about Paul's preaching in Rome in verses 23 and following. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like you said, this is, this is outstanding. They, they come back and they come back in numbers and they come back to hear what Paul has to say. Um, you know, and, and maybe a lot of this, uh, you know, you know, why didn't Paul just preach to them immediately when he was standing there? Well, maybe they wanted, uh, a, uh, more people, but you know, Paul's got to deal with some of the practical aspects of just coming into a new city. He, he needs a place to stay. He, he needs a place to sleep. You know, all of these things need to happen. He needs to be furnished with what he needs. Uh, and so the appointed day does come for Paul to preach to these people. They, they come to where he's staying uh, in great numbers. And, and, you know, this is, this is the cool thing. Um, Paul preaches a, uh, from morning till evening, right? Um, uh, you know, as we as we think about this, uh, you know, we, we think maybe one of those fifteen minute inspirational messages is 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 sufficient here. But no, no, not Paul. You know, uh, you know, this is the same guy who preached long into the night until people were falling asleep, falling out of windows, and all this sort of stuff. You know, um, uh, but we see that as these people show up, they hear Paul preach, and he he preaches uh, thoroughly. And um, what's really important here is that he he preaches from Moses and the prophets, right? He proclaims Christ from the scriptures they already have and believe in. Um, uh, he, he proclaims what they know and then says, this is who Christ is. And that's, that's really following the model um, that Jesus uses with the apostles after the resurrection. We, we, we think about uh, Christ on the road to Emmaus, right? Uh, we have these two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus uh, uh, appears to them. They don't recognize him. Uh, they they uh, look gloomy, and Jesus starts talking to them, and they say, well, don't you know just this guy, Jesus? We thought he might be the Son of God, the Messiah, our Savior, uh, but he was cru- crucified, and then Jesus just starts expounding the scriptures to them. Um, from the beginning to the end, he opens up the scriptures and says, this was about my death and resurrection. Every word of it was about me. Uh, he does the same with the apostles. When he sits, he opens the scriptures to them and says, this is about Christ. Uh, and so we have Paul doing this here with Moses and the prophets, which these men um, from the synagogues most likely would have had much of this content uh, committed to memory. They would have known much of it by heart. 
They would have uh, engaged in regular study and discussion and debate over all of these topics. You know, here we are in, you know, synagogue Judaism here in the first century. Um, They gathered around to sit around and talk about the scriptures. Um, And so here, this is what Paul is doing. And he's expounding and preaching and teaching. Um, And as he does so, um, there, there are those amongst the Jews who, who believe on, uh, and that, that's a really great thing. Um, of course, there's there's some who don't, uh, and uh, um, their their hearts are hardened, right? But we we have this consolation of Israel uh, being revealed. The hope of the people of God is is set before them, um, and and you know they they'll either receive it in faith and believe in Christ, um, or they will be hardened. Um, those who were um, uh, and you know, and really, we see Paul's hope. Remember, we talked a minute ago about this this grafting in and this grafting out of the branches uh, uh, of the tree of God's church. Right? Um, we see Paul's hope um, really affirmed in his presence is that you know some of those who were cut off from the tree as the Gentiles are grafted in continually um, do get grafted back in. Um, they they hear the gospel. Uh, and uh, that's that's a great kind of optimistic note for Paul's preaching. I mean, we shouldn't miss that because it does seem so often within the book of Acts that those the the Jews to whom he goes first are those who reject him and reject him with the most hatred. As it turns out, there's more than one occasion where a group of people will follow Paul from one town to the next and, and run him out, not of only their own synagogue, but out of other synagogues as well. Mm-hmm. And so to to see that, if I can use this word success within within Rome among the Jews is a fantastic thing and, and God be praised for his faithfulness. But as as Luke does note, there are also the those who disbelieve. And again, this shouldn't surprise us. We've seen this throughout the book of Acts that some believe, some do not. Paul has a word for those, particularly those who dis- disbelieve. And we get a, an extended quote here from the prophet Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does is, what Paul do when he quotes from the prophet Isaiah here in, in verses 25 and following? Yeah, yeah. So um, here, the, they, they see, as Paul's preaching, uh, you know, you, you get to begin to see the disagreement amongst the Jews. As some believe, some don't. Uh, and then Paul makes this statement. As he talks uh, from uh, Isaiah, the prophet, he, he says, you know, uh, and this is what Isaiah says, go, uh, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed perceive or see, but never perceive for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, and then you know, Paul goes on, he says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen, right? And so, um, you know, you get the kind of the idea of the, the hardening of Israel's heart here. Um, as, as the uh, people hear and believe, there are some who are hardened to the message of the gospel. And as the word produces fruit in some unlikely people, many do not believe. Um, and so this, as this dispute arises here, Paul says, well, this is, this is probably, and, and Paul's, Paul's kind of clear here. He says, this is, this is what happened with your fathers as well. Um, that they, they, they heard the word of God, uh, from Isaiah and they didn't hear 
and believe. Um, and, and I think actually this, this really serves as a warning uh, to all of us, right? Um, that we wouldn't grow dull, uh, that our hearts, we wouldn't callous our hearts to the word of God um, uh, and to what it speaks to us and what it says to us about Christ, about sin, about the resurrection, about forgiveness, all of these things that we need to know um, uh, 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 that, you know, it's very easy to grow callous um, especially when when you uh, maybe read the scriptures maybe only as an object of study, or you uh, um, read the scriptures, um, you know, uh, and and you know this and this happens a lot with us, right? Um, we read the scriptures and we read about the sin and the hardness and the wickedness and and the text, and we we read the Ten Commandments and we say, yeah, I man, I don't want to ever do that. Uh, uh, and we we are completely blind to how we are just like this, right? Um, uh, and how we live, how we act, how we think, um, you know. So you 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 hear about Jesus condemning the Pharisees, and we say, yeah, I don't ever want to be like a Pharisee. And then we go out and think, I don't want to ever be like that guy out there either, right? Um, and and that kind of happens with us from time to time, where we 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 lack humility uh, when we read the scriptures. Um, uh, we read them with maybe a sense of inflated pride um, and a sense of uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, for me, for thee, but not for me. Uh, and so here we, we have the Jews, they, they hear this, uh, uh, um, word from Isaiah that was spoken to their fathers, um, and, and their hardness of heart. And St. Paul says, you know, this will happen amongst you now too. And this can happen amongst you now too. These, these words are not gentle, as he says these words from Isaiah, but they're true. As Israel hardens its heart to the gospel, God hands them over to their hardening as a judgment against them. Um, he's, he's doing the same who all reject the gospel that Paul preaches here. Uh, because, but God also doesn't let his word return to him void. His, his word goes out to the Gentiles, um, and, and they will hear it, and they will believe it. Um, yeah, I mean, you see that again. That calm confidence of Paul, who's who's unafraid to to leave here with a word that is. I mean, this is a word of law, a word of of harshness. This is not an easy word to hear, and yet, as you said, he he has that confidence that the word of God will do what God intends, and and he he speaks it, and he says. This is what, and I love the way that he speaks about the scriptures, just, just as a, a brief note. And notice, and we see this from, from Peter earlier in the book of Acts, it's, this is the way the apostles thought of the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit is the one speaking through the prophet. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, we shouldn't miss that, I think, to, to see how the apostles thought of the scriptures so that we might believe the same thing, that this is the Holy Spirit's word written through the prophets and the apostles now. Uh, but Paul takes that word, that is the word of God, and he he preaches it to the people in front of them in front of him it's a hard word but he preaches it because it it is the word of god and paul trusts that the word of god will do what god intends yeah and, and you got to think for for every person that that hears this and is offended and leaves in a huff there's got to be and maybe for every dozen people i don't know who are offended and leave in a huff um maybe there's that one who's cut to the heart right um, but in any regard, uh, as Paul, Paul's very right here, um, it's the Holy Spirit's utterance, and, and the Holy Spirit will give the increase uh, at the speaking of his word. Uh, and that's, that's what we get here from this little passage from Isaiah. Uh, and and I, I think this should 
give us courage. This should give us a, a sense of optimism. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it really should remind us that um, the weight of the fruit, right? Um, uh, the, the, the increase of the kingdom, uh, it doesn't rest on our shoulders. We are simply called to preach. Uh, and, and this is what Paul does with, you know, like you said, this calm, quiet confidence that he stands up and he preaches. He says things that are hard for these people to hear, uh, but he does it. Um, and the spirit will give the increase. You know, it's uh, like, like Luther uh, um, talking about the, the kind of fire that ignites with the Reformation. He says, uh, me and Master Philip were sitting uh, drinking good Wittenberg beer. Wittenberg beer, but the word was doing the work. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. It sprung forth the Reformation. Uh, and that's what we see happening here, too, um, that, that people are, are hearing, people are believing. Um, and, and though many depart uh, in hardness of heart, um, you know, the word of God is proclaimed. And that's what matters. Yeah, and as you said, Paul doesn't let it end here with this proclamation to those Jews who have rejected him, but he says it will go now to the Gentiles, and and I love this, they will listen, which there's a, you know, a bit of a contrast with what Isaiah had preached. You know, the, the ears of the, the people to whom he was preaching, they weren't open, they mm-hmm. couldn't hear, but, but the word of God will find open ears. In fact, the word of God will open ears. And now it will happen among the Gentiles. And there's that, you know, that mystery, as, as you pointed out in Paul's letter to the Romans, he talks about this. And, and this is the, I mean, yes, the Jews are rejecting, but this will bring benefit now to the Gentiles. And we saw this earlier in Paul's ministry, how the Gentiles rejoice to hear this good news that that the gospel comes to them and is for them. Again, we're, we're seeing it happen now here in Rome. And, and as you said, this is a, a bit of a climax to the book of Acts. And so Luke, you know, he draws it to a close here in verses 30 and 31. Uh, talk a little bit about the, those, what he says there. What is, how does Luke bring this to an end? Yeah, well, and I think this is really great, what, what Luke does here, because he ends the, his, his, his account here, this, this Acts of the Apostles, on an, a supremely optimistic note. Um, yeah, uh, as, as, you know, we think about the book of Acts, and you know, uh, most groups and and scholars uh, date the Book of Acts between the year seventy and ninety, right? Um, you know, this is and so this would come shortly after the death of Saint Paul. You know, he he's 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 executed around sixty two or sixty four, uh, the year sixty two or sixty four. And as we we think about that, and and there's possibly an earlier dating too uh, that this was written in the uh, maybe the late. 50s uh, 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 AD, but as we as we think about this, you know, uh, Paul doesn't end, the, or sorry, Luke doesn't end the Acts of the Apostles um, with, um, you know, Saint Peter being crucified upside down, uh, and he doesn't end the Acts of the Apostles with uh, Saint Paul being beheaded on the Apian Way outside of the city of Rome, but he, he ends the Acts of the Apostles uh, with with Paul continually preaching the gospel, proclaiming the promises of Christ, uh, um, and, and freely speaking the word of God without hindrance, right? And th- that's, that's such a, a wonderful thing to bear in mind that, you know, we know how the story ends for Paul and Peter and the other apostles, um, and yet 
the word keeps on going. Uh, this this gospel that they preach, this this one holy Christian and apostolic faith that they proclaimed, um, continues uh, to be proclaimed. That the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ will be proclaimed with boldness, without hindrance, to the very end of the age. And so, Luke gives us this beautiful um, ending to the to the book of Acts, as we we see that. You know, Paul, he he goes, he proclaims to the Jews, and then, you know, he he stays in Rome. He lives there under house arrest for two years. Um, he welcomes people who come to him. They want to hear the word of God, and he proclaims the kingdom. He proclaims what Jesus has done. He talks about the death, the resurrection of Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of our bodies with all boldness, without hindrance, so that people hear and believe and have faith. Um and that is that is just such a beautiful bookend um, to uh, uh, you know the Gospel of Luke now into the Acts of the Apostles and now we're here and what's happening what what Jesus prophesied or foretold at the beginning of the Book of Acts you know that that the apostles would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth uh, what Jesus said about Saint Paul that. Um, he would be his witness and his uh, his apostle to the Gentiles. This has happened, uh, and 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 really, this should cause us to to once again speak with confidence because um, the gospel won't be stopped. The there the the devil and the world and our own fallen flesh can try all that they like to to suppress the gospel. To, to plug the ears of everyone who would hear, to, to, to cut off our voices and make it where we can't speak, teach, uh, you know, to put us all in prison, to, to put gags in our mouths just to get us to stop saying these things. Uh, but they can't. Um, uh, they can't stop it. Uh, the Holy Spirit will continue to do his work. He will continue to send preachers into his church. He will continue to send mothers and fathers to teach their children at home. Uh, the gospel will not be stopped. The church will not come to an end. The word of the Lord will continue to endure to the very end of the age. And that's that's such a wonderful, optimistic note that we have here at the end of the book of Acts. I, I love the way how, how Luke, in, in a couple of places here in our section, he he brings up again, and he calls the Paul the preaching of Paul uh, concerning the kingdom of God. That that particular language is is used more than once in our section in verse twenty three, and also then in verse thirty one that Paul was proclaiming or testifying to the kingdom of God, which is is certainly a very common way of speaking in the Gospels. It's it's not shown up quite as often in the Book of Acts, but it's been there. But I think it, it's particularly significant. At least it seems to me it's it's significant here in Rome, as you said. All roads lead to Rome, and and if there is a king, he's found in Rome, right? We have no king but Caesar. They said mm -hmm. when they when crucified when Jesus was crucified. Well, here Paul is right before the king, before Caesar himself. Now we don't hear his trial before Caesar, of course, but that's what Paul's doing there to testify before the king, before Caesar. And and yet, what is it that that holds the day? What is it that wins? It it is this proclamation, not of the kingdom of Caesar, but of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And I find it so significant that that's the way Luke speaks here when Paul's there in Rome, that he's he's proclaiming Jesus is 
king or Jesus is Lord to use his, his language from from first Corinthians. What a what an amazing thing. And again, to see that Luke ends there should inspire great confidence and faith in us that it is the kingdom of God that truly lasts and not the kingdoms of this world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we don't have a guy ruling us from the city of Rome anymore. You know, um, uh, certainly Caesar still exists in the world. Uh, and there's, there's you know, uh, Caesars in the world. And some have been more, and throughout history, some have been more friendly to the gospel. Some have been antagonistic to the gospel. Uh, but they have all come and gone. Um, uh, and we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and Christ is, is the king who's risen and ascended victorious. Um, he, he is the one who, who reigns on, and rules over his church and he rules over heaven and earth for the sake of his church. Um, and, and so here, you know, Paul, what's he doing? He's proclaiming that king who lives forever, um, by speaking his word that endures forever. Um, and, I, I, you know, once again, he, he speaks with boldness. Um, uh, you know, we, you, you used the words a few minutes ago, um, that I really liked this, this calm, cool confidence. Um, and you know, if Jesus is reigning, uh, if, you know, we had the Ascension a few weeks ago, right. Uh, if Jesus is ascended on high, you know, uh, we have nothing to fear. Uh, we have nothing to worry about um, because Christ is still king, uh, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. And so uh, uh, what is the church to do? Well, proclaim that king. And that's what Paul does uh, here, here, even in chains, under house arrest, living at his own expense. He still welcomes all and proclaims the word. And that's that's so great. Uh, the, the other thing that, that strikes me about the end of the book of Acts, you know, as, as you said, Paul's death is is not recorded here in Acts, and and again, there's there is some debate among scholars as to when the book of Acts was written, and and did Luke write it before Paul died, and that's why his death isn't in there, or did did Luke write it after Paul died and purposely not include it for for the points that you were making very excellently. You know, there's there's some debate about that, of course, and, and we we can't know for sure. I appreciate what you said about it. Another thing that that strikes me that's not here is not only is Paul's death not here, but Paul's trial before Caesar is not here. And and just given the progression of the last several chapters, you know, I mean, you've seen Paul give testimony before the tribune in Jerusalem and then before Felix and then before Festus and Agrippa. And, and I mean, we got this progression of trials and, and he, we know Paul has appealed to Caesar. What did he say to Caesar? Man, I would have, I would have loved to seen what, what Luke would have written there. Mm. We don't get that. And, and the reason I bring that up is because I, I find it very comforting that I, I, that actually we don't hear Paul testifying before Caesar, but we do hear him testifying before just the same people he's always been testifying before the Jews there in the synagogue and, and anyone who came to him. And that's what still happens in our churches today. It's it's not, I don't know, maybe I don't want to, maybe you've preached to, to people more with higher earthly standing than I have pastor dandy, but, but how often do we, you know, what does Paul say to the, the Corinthians? You, you weren't, you weren't all that important when, when you were called, right? But, but those are the people to whom God still gives us to preach, you know, people who may not be as important in an earthly sense as Caesar. And yet that proclamation of the kingdom of God still goes to them and it still calls them into the church. And, and as you said, that, I mean, that's what that's what matters. That's what continues. That's what holds the day. What a what a wonderful comfort to those of us who who may never get to testify before Caesar. Still, the word of God that we preach just to quote regular folks 
man, that's the kingdom of God doing doing His work still today, and and that's what lasts. It's it's a beautiful comfort. Yeah, well, and it's it's an opportunity to to really see things through God's eyes, um, you know. And you you think about you know many of our pastors out there, um, you know they 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 have. And, you know, I, I, I don't have a, a mega church that, uh, you know, uh, has millions of dollars and a, a massive budget and 5,000 people coming every week. Uh, um, but uh, uh, there are people who, who hear the word of God faithfully every week, though, and though that number is not this, this massive, impressive number of people. Um, and, you know, they're, 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 you know, most of our, our pastors preach to, to farmers, um, uh, to, 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 you know, everyday people. Um, you know, we're, we're not going into the, the, to the halls of the, uh, Congress and giving, uh, um, orations and we're not preaching to the president. Um, we're preaching to our hearers at, and that's a blessing. Uh, you know, it's a blessing to, to, to baptize the babies in your congregation. It's a blessing for pastors to, um, uh, preach to that, uh, that Bible study where, where not all the seats are filled in the Bible study room. It's a blessing for the pastor uh, to, to preach to whoever comes to hear the word of God. Uh, and, and, you know, here Paul has this audience of people. Some will be antagonistic. Once again, some will, will rejoice in hearing what he has to say. Um, but, but Paul's preaching is a blessing. Uh, and and that's, that's a really just wonderful end once again to the preaching uh, of Paul. He's doing what he always did. He's he's going to the people. He's going to the synagogues. He's going to the marketplaces as he proclaims uh, the kingdom of God. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. Jesus has ascended. Pastor Jacob Dandy serves as pastor at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California, helping us today with Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to 31. Pastor Dandy, thanks for being our guest today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you for spending this time studying the book of Acts with us. For the rest of the month of July, starting tomorrow, we will be looking at selected psalms, ones that we've encountered both in Acts and Luke and other psalms as well, all of which point us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I look forward to studying those psalms with you. Thanks for spending the morning with us today. Talk to you again tomorrow.